Hi, this is Kim, and welcome back to Weber County's Greatest Generation. So I have been writing about the Battle of Okinawa for a few weeks now, and the battle was from April 1st through June 22nd of 1945. It was the largest amphibious assault in the Pacific in World War II, and also the bloodiest. There were approximately 160,000 military casualties with at least 50,000 allies and between 84 and 117,000 Japanese. This was also the first assault on an island that was occupied by civilians, and at least 149,425 residents were killed by suicide or went missing, and that equated to roughly half of the estimated 300,000 population at the start of the battle. I've identified about 20 Weber County men that participated in the battle, including several casualties. So I decided that this podcast is going to be uh, just a little change of pace from talking about battles and death. I'm going to talk about what was going on in Ogden 80 years ago this month. So when the U.S. entered the war after Pearl Harbor in 1941, there was a tremendous need for rubber. The Japanese had seized most of the rubber suppliers when they overtook Singapore and badly cut off the needed supply. Rubber was wrapped around every inch of military wiring. Sherman tanks were made with a half a ton of rubber, and some battleships contained over 20,000 rubber parts. So FDR decided to do a nationwide rubber drive to help collect any usable rubber in various households and businesses in the U.S., and we're going to listen to his original broadcast from June 12, 1942, but first I wanted to set some context. This comes only six and a half months after Pearl Harbor. Hitler has invaded most of Europe, including France, leaving only Great Britain to stop them in the West and Russia in the East and both fronts are going badly for the Allies. In December, 7th attacks on Pearl Harbor, Japan also attacked the Philippines, Midway, Guam, Malaya, Hong Kong, and the war was going very badly in the Pacific. The Battle of Midway had been fought only two weeks ago and had been declared a momentous victory, but that was the first good news for a long time. Both Bataan and Corregidor had fallen, resulting in many thousands of U.S. and Filipino prisoners of war. In the Battle of the Coral Sea, we had lost the Lexington with hundreds of casualties. The Battle of the Java Sea and the Sunda Strait had also been catastrophic for the United States. So the reason that I mention this is that I tend to read history knowing the outcome. But at the time, we have U.S. boys being sent from homes in Weber County every week. The newspapers are filled with Um, bad news of battle losses and deaths all over the world. Weber County is still organizing civil defense units and practicing air raid alerts and blackouts. The outcome is still far from secure. It's going to be years before we have victories, and it's going to be a while before we even have any good news. So naturally, a radio address from President Roosevelt asking the Americans to help was a big deal. And this is on June 12th, 1942. I want to talk to you about rubber. About rubber and the war. About rubber and the American people. When I say rubber, I mean rubber. I don't mean gasoline. 
Gasoline is a serious problem only in certain parts of the country. But rubber is a problem everywhere, from one end of the country to the other, in the Mississippi Valley as well as in the east, in the oil country as well as in the corn country, in the iron country as well as in the great industrial centers. Rubber is a problem for this reason, because modern wars cannot be won without rubber, and because 92% of our normal supply of rubber has been cut off by the Japanese. That is serious. It would be more serious if we had not built up a stockpile before the war started. If we were not now building up a great new synthetic rubber industry. But that takes time, so we have an immediate need. Neither the stockpile nor the synthetic plants which are now being built nor both together will be enough to provide for the great needs of our new army and navy, plus our civilian requirements as they now exist. The armed services have done all they can. They've eliminated rubber wherever possible. The army, for example, has had to replace rubber treads with less efficient steel treads on some of its tanks. Army and Navy estimates of rubber Rubber use has had to be curtailed all along the line. But there's a limit to that. You and I want the finest and most efficient army and navy that the world has ever seen. An army and navy with the greatest and swiftest striking power. That means rubber. Huge quantities of it. Rubber for trucks and tanks and planes and gun mounts. Rubber for gas masks and rubber for landing boats. But it's not the Army and Navy alone that need rubber. The process of production also needs rubber. We need to get our war workers back and forth to their plants, some of them far from workers' homes. We need rubber to keep our essential goods and supplies moving. All this adds up to a very serious problem, a problem that's a challenge to the sound judgment of the government and to the ingenuity of the American people. It's a problem that we Americans are laboring to solve, a problem that we will solve. But there is one unknown factor in this problem. We know what our stockpile is. We know what our synthetic capacity will be. But we do not know how much used rubber there is in the country at this moment. Used rubber, which reclaimed and reprocessed, can be combined with our supplies of new rubber to make those supplies go further in meeting military and civilian needs. Specifically, we don't know how much used rubber there is in your cellar, in your barn, in your stockroom, your garage, your attic. There are as many opinions as there are experts. And until we know, we can't make our plans for the best use of the rubber we have. The only way to find out is to get the used rubber in where it can stand up and be counted. And that is precisely what we propose to do. We're setting aside the two weeks period from next Monday, June 15th at 12.01 a.m. 
until midnight of June 30th to get that old rubber in. We've asked the filling station operators, the thousands on thousands of citizens who operate gas stations and garages from one end of the country to the other to help. And they have generously and patriotically agreed to help, they and the oil companies which serve them. They have agreed to take the old rubber in and to pay for it at the standard rate of a penny a pound, an amount which will later be refunded to them by the government. I know that I don't need to urge you to take part in this collection drive. All you need to know is the place to take your rubber to and the time to take it there, the next two weeks. And you need to know the fact that your country needs your rubber. We do not want you to turn in essential rubber that you need in your daily life. Rubber you'll have to replace by buying new things in the store. But we do want every bit of rubber that you can possibly spare, and in any quantity, less than a pound, many pounds. We want it in every form, old tires, old rubber raincoats, old garden hose, rubber shoes, bathing caps, gloves, Whatever you have that is made of rubber, if you think it's rubber, take it to your nearest filling station. Once the rubber is in, we will know what our supplies of used rubber are, and we'll make our plans accordingly. One thing you can be sure of, we are going to see to it that there's enough rubber to build the planes to bomb Tokyo and Berlin, enough rubber to build the tanks to crush the enemy wherever we may find him. Enough rubber to win this war. And here are two simple rules for this rubber emergency. First, turn in all the old rubber, anywhere and everywhere. Second, cut the use of your car. Save its tires by driving slowly and most important of all, by driving less. I know that the United States will respond. So how did we respond? In a Standard Examiner article on June 14, 1942, Governor Herbert Ma issued a proclamation urging all citizens to search their attics, trash piles, alleys, and other places where old materials containing rubber might gather and turn it over to their local service station operators. So the person in the state who was in charge was named Boyden L. Wood, and his nickname was Brick, so his name is Brickwood. Says all major gas stations in the state will participate in the drive. The only gainers will be the citizens who turn in rubber to gasoline stations. Gasoline operators will pay at the rate of one cent a pound. In today's prices, that would be 15 cents a pound, which doesn't seem all that much better. Collection of the rubber and transportation to the railroad freight cars will be handled without cost to the government by the dealers. The rubber will be gathered until a stockpile is collected and then sent to the reclaiming plant at Denver, Colorado. So on the 15th, which was the first day, Ogden residents today began participating in the scrap rubber campaign for the war program. 
All indications point to a successful drive with one service station turning over 450 tires, weighing approximately six and a half tons. Reports from other stations indicated Ogden is doing its part in the campaign with everything from rubber boots and hot water bottles to old automobile and bicycle tires being turned in. Utah's quota in the rubber drive to provide the nation's armed forces with proper equipment to win the war is 2 million pounds. No bit of rubber is too small, too worn, too old to enlist in this drive. Every bit of unneeded or unwanted rubber lying around the house can be used to help swell the stockpile of rubber the government is trying to build up, said Brick Wood, Utah Salvage Drive Secretary. Persons with any amount of rubber are asked to turn it into the nearest service station, tire dealer, or junk dealer. One cent per pound will be paid. Clarence Rackham at a 23rd and Lincoln station turned in the six and a half tons of painted tires in a totem pole that he started 12 years ago. Just a week later on June 22nd, there was another article headlined, Bobby Loses His Pants, Sister Pockets Penny in Rubber Drive Transaction, one of the many deals giving salvagers headaches. Clicks Swanner, who operates a service station, has a headache, but Clicks is just one of hundreds of Ogdenites who have answered the president's call to salvage scrap rubber. So Clicks takes another aspirin and does his job. Here's his lament. Barbara Yessel, 2675 Grant, today marched up to her neighborhood gas station and said, Mr. Clicks, here is my brother Bobby's rubber pants. How much will you give me? And for those of you listeners who are younger than the disposable diaper era, um, rubber pants were put over cloth diapers to make them waterproof. And so you would have a cloth diaper and then you would use a pair of rubber pants that were washable somewhat. And you can understand were very necessary. The pants were weighed three ounces, paid one cent, gladly paid. Bob Grandel, age seven, turned in 158 pounds of rubber heels and soles at the same station. Ben Lyons owns property which was inhabited by a retired fire chief, and upon cleaning the place found more than 400 pounds of old fire hose. Result, $4 in Ben's pocket and a big slap at a jab. The same station reported 3,149 pounds collected, 944 pounds of which were donated. It was stated that the largest amount comes in from automobile tires, followed by old garden hose. The largest single amount last week was 457 pounds. The drive will continue until June 30th, J.M. McNear, Ogden Rubber Salvage Committee Chairman, announced. He asked that people turn in their scrap rubber soon and all of it because the future of gasoline and tire rationing depends upon the amount of rubber that is salvaged over the nation. So apparently things were not going all that well toward meeting the quota because the next day there was an article that said, Chairman asked help of women in rubber drive. Householders urged to search basements, attics, garages. Today's appeal in the rubber salvage drive was directed to the women of the community with the reminder that June 30th is drawing the campaign to a speedy close. In a report filed with Chairman McNeur, it was indicated that Ogden service stations had collected approximately 125 tons of scrap rubber. Until now, McNeur stated the drive had been successful in that it was bringing in mostly auto tires and larger articles, 
Now, he said, a great deal can be accomplished with the householders if they will clean out their basement, garages, and attics. It was hoped that this move will result in gathering up thousands of the smaller articles, which, although small in size, have good quality rubber. McNair stated, the president put it squarely up to the people. Let's dig up the rubber. We can do it before June 30th if we hurry. The paper also reported that on Monday afternoon at 3 o'clock, local service station men staged a parade through the business sections. Twelve trucks loaded with salvage rubber, led by Chairman McNair and a police escort, sped, they sped down Washington Boulevard with horns blowing, attracting considerable attention. Banners informed the onlookers about the current salvage efforts. On June 29th, the paper reported that FR extends salvage drive. President Roosevelt extended the rubber collection drive today for an additional 10 days because collections through Saturday brought in a disappointing total of 219,000 tons. Originally scheduled to end at midnight tomorrow, the campaign will now continue through July 10th. So they significantly missed their goal of $2 million. And then again, on 4th of July, um, the paper reported, Next 4th of July trip rests on rubber drive. Salvage director urges Utahns to maintain efforts. Whether Mr. and Mrs. Average American will be able to take the family car out of the garage next July 4th will depend upon the amount of rubber that is brought in during the current salvage campaign instituted last month under the direction of our president. Chairman McNair appealed today to keep everyone in the drive until every last piece of available rubber has been turned in. The scrap rubber may be sold to the stations or donated with the proceeds going to charitable organizations. And the article continued, the participation by the standard examiner in the salvage effort was recognized in a letter received today from M.J. Greenwood, state chairman of the Scrap Rubber Drive. Now, Greenwood is a different name than Brickwood, so I think that was a typo. He wrote, Your publication, through its participation in the Scrap Rubber Drive, has performed a great patriotic service for our country. Your effort has been most effective, your appeal convincing, as evidenced by the results. We trust you will continue this most appreciated service until the close of the drive, which is at midnight on July 15th. On July 10th, there was an article that Utah reaches its quota in the rubber drive, 10 pounds of scrap for every resident collected. Utah has contributed its full quota of scrap rubber, but the total will not be known for a day or two, Brick Wood, in charge of the salvage drive, said today. He commanded the efforts of citizens, but urged that a last-minute search be made for any additional rubber. The drive ends officially at midnight tonight. So it goes on to say, from the latest available figures, the nation as a toll has collected 3.3 pounds of rubber per capita at the close of June 27th. Utah had collected that date 6.5 pounds per capita. When this letter reaches you, we will have collected 2,000 tons of scrap rubber, which is 8 pounds per capita in Utah, double the quota. Ten states are leading us, however, some of the ten with only a small margin. We must finish near the top. Please carry on. Utah should be proud of your newspaper. I trust they are giving you the support you merit. Thanks, double thanks, and best wishes.
So as you can imagine, as in politics today, there are a lot of differing opinions about the drive. There was an editorial in this standard on July 13th, and I wasn't able to find out who wrote it, but it said, the scrap rubber collection drive was, speaking charitably, a flop. Less than 220,000 tons were collected during the period originally given to the campaign. Minimum estimates of the potential ran to around 500,000 tons and maximum, silly, but publicized to be over 10 million tons, which is interesting because when they started out with their goals, they were measuring in pounds and not tons. So it might have been a miscommunication all the way around. The editorial continued, what does this mean? There wasn't half a million tons of scrap rubber lying around or that the public did not contribute to so Silvila a war effort. The scrap rubber drive was doomed from the beginning. WPB, or the War Production Board, gave its hearty support but expected nothing. The campaign was one of those sudden, half-planned, half-baked, semi-publicized things pulled out of the Washington hat because something better had not been organized sooner. Its inspiration came from the petroleum industry, which hoped by a good showing to at least postpone nationwide gasoline rationing. It found the public bewildered, resentful, wanting to help, but uncertain about the whole affair. It is important because it is one in a chain of smaller, unfortunate steps in the dark. From a typical Midwestern farmer trade center comes a bitter summary written by the local editor, publisher of Why the People Patriotic and Willing Have Now Become Apathetic. The citizenry of the village scampered around and collected aluminum, and the metal lay until a junk dealer consented to take it for virtually nothing. A neighboring town had to pay to get the collected aluminum hauled away. Government agents jucketed through the areas, telling of the urgent need for scrap metal. We went to bat for that, and two months after, the business which gave the story space has tried vainly to find somebody to take the scrap to the steel mills or just somewhere. Uncle Sam demanded that paper be saved. The Boy Scouts collected tons and tons and then received word from the government to burn it because it was a fire hazard and there was no market. I was sort of surprised after all of that to see how the folks went to work to gather up old tires. And I am watching to see whether they are moved, if ever, wrote the editor, and concludes with the observation, which might be of interest to Washington. I guess we have heard wolf, wolf long enough. So I haven't been able to find exactly how much rubber was collected during this time, but it appears that the rubber drive was not successful. Later in the fall, there's going to be a national speed limit that will be set at 35 miles an hour, all to save rubber. And there was never a shortage of gasoline. Gas rationing was solely to save the rubber tires, which I found really interesting. So there you have it, Weber County's attempt to collect rubber for the precedent. Thanks for joining. I'm going to try and, and give some more news about what was going on in Ogden on some of these podcasts, in addition to the ones that we're doing about the battles of the war. Also, every Sunday, there is a blog post about what was happening in the newspapers that week, um, 80 years ago in 1942. And you can find that on Weber County's Greatest Generation Facebook page or on its website. Thanks for joining.